the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Now, the fact that Jesus puts this step here of merely receiving the word indicates that it's possible for the word to have been given, but completely pass over the head of the person that's supposed to be receiving it. Now, we might describe it as going in one ear and out the other. It just doesn't stick. Mm, sounds like something that would have happened to me when I was much younger and um, maybe yesterday, <laughs> in one ear and out the other. This is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. He's taking us verse by verse through the 17th chapter of the book of John, where Jesus talks about how we relate to the Father. Open your Bible and follow along if you can. Now, it is true that in a very broad sense, the word Father for God is as old as religion itself. For instance, the ancient Greeks spoke of Father Zeus, who rules over the gods and mortal men. And in Israel, in the scriptures, God was referred to as the father of his people, such as in Isaiah 64. But now, O Lord, you are our father. And in Psalm 103, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on them that fear him. But Nowhere in the Old Testament or any other document previous to Jesus did an individual Israelite address God as Father. It was something you just weren't supposed to do. But Jesus did. In fact, he always did. He always called God Father. And the, uh, this undoubtedly made an impression upon those disciples because when they record Jesus' prayers... In all of the Gospels, all of the prayers, every prayer, God is addressed as Father. That is, except one, one prayer. And that's when Jesus was hanging on the cross and said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because in that moment, the relationship that he had with the Father was temporarily broken as he took our sins upon himself and carried them to Calvary's cross to pay for them. Now, there's another step. The first step was we've been told that those who were Christ, they previously belonged to the Father, and then we're told that they've been given to Jesus, and that thirdly, he's fulfilled his responsibility to reveal the Father to them. And now, there's a fourth step, and that is we've been told that they have kept or obeyed the word. Now, the word for kept or obeyed literally means to pay attention to and observe, like someone would pay attention to and observe a traffic law. Now, observing Christ's word is the end product of first hearing it and then understanding it to the extent that it makes a difference in our behavior. We are obedient. Now, obedience is the inevitable result of saving faith. To say that the disciples had obeyed the Father's word is another way of saying they had saving faith and that saving faith was genuine. In fact, the New Testament so inseparably join saving faith and obedience that the two are used as synonyms for each other. 
Verse 7. Now they know that everything you have given me is from you. Everything that you've given me is from you might sound redundant to us in the English language, but in the original Greek language, the structure emphasizes the son's dependence upon the father. And Jesus says, now they know. Now, for years, the disciples have been watching Jesus do miracles and teach and growing in their recognition and conviction that he was who he claimed to be. But something has happened now that has resolved any question. For Jesus says, now they know. Now, the word know is the Greek egnokan and refers to the state of knowledge at the time of now. So they might not have understood that their Messiah had to suffer and die and rise again. They might not have yet understood how he had to fulfill the Old Testament expectations of kingship and sacrifice and priesthood. But they'd come to the deep conviction that Jesus was indeed God's messenger, that he had been sent by God and that all that he taught was God's truth. Now, the disciples believed that Jesus worked by the power of God and did everything according to God's will. And that's in contrast to the religious leaders of the day who accused Jesus of doing what he did in the power of Satan. To which Jesus responded, not only is that blasphemous, but it doesn't even make any sense because why would Satan empower someone to do God's work? Didn't even make any sense. But the disciples knew the truth. They'd seen the miracles. They had heard Jesus' sermons with authority. They'd seen him praying. They knew his relationship with the Father. They had seen him ministering to sinners without becoming a sinner. They had witnessed the Father's approval. And therefore, they knew that he came from God. And as the result of that, they followed him. And eventually, they paid the ultimate price for their conviction For according to church traditions, all but one of the disciples were martyred for their faith. Verse 8. For I have given them the words that you gave me, and they have received them, and have come to know in truth that I came from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Now here we're talking about perspectives. Because in verse 6, Christ presents the matter of salvation from God's perspective... And here in verse 8, he presents it from the disciples' perspective. He's talking about the same thing, but he's presenting salvation from two perspectives, from God's perspective and from humans' perspective. Um, You know, whenever you have uh, uh, two humans talking about a particular situation, you always have at least three perspectives. The perspective of one person, the perspective of the other person, and the truth. Because nobody sees the truth. We all see through filters. But when God is, and somebody's looking at something, they see from two perspectives. The person sees it from their perspective, and God sees it from his perspective, which is the truth. So here in verse 8, Jesus describes steps from the perspective of people, from the perspective of the disciples that he has given the disciples the word that the Father gave him, that they have received those words, that they have come to know that he is from God, and that they have believed in him, that he is the one whom God sent. Now, the first step in this sequence, then, is the giving of God's word, which Jesus says I, by, uh, indicates by saying, I gave them the words you gave me. You see, the word of God is the only thing that's powerful enough to effect a change in the hearts 
of sinful men and women if they're to be saved. Nothing else can do it. As the writer of Hebrews says, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Now, compared to the word of God, the words of men are hardly anything at all. The conversion of an individual is much more than mere persuasion, because if mere persuasion was all that was required, then we could just argue somebody into heaven. Can you imagine heaven being filled with a bunch of people that lost the argument? It's not going to happen. It requires more. Now, God uses arguments. You know, some people in this world, they, they don't, they've been conditioned to think a certain way that that's the truth, but it's not. And, and sometimes somebody who's gifted with the gift of apologetics can come to them and ask some questions that kind of shake up their foundations of faith in something other than God and realize that they've got a problem with it, start searching for the truth. And, of course, the truth can only be found in Christ Jesus. So there, there is a place for argumentation, but nobody's going to get argued into the kingdom of God. Rather, salvation is something more like a resurrection or a, a miracle because where, spirit, it's where spiritual life has replaced spiritual death. And clearly only the word of God can bring life. Our word can't. Now, God could have saved the entire human race by royal decree if he so chose, but he didn't choose to do it that way. Rather, he declared it would be by his word, shared and preached by his people, and applied to the hearts of individuals by the Holy Spirit. And we share in a responsibility for this great work because it's through us, that God's word is shared with those who so desperately need to hear it. Now, there's a second step in, in, in verse 8, and that is of receiving God's word. Now, the Greek word accepted here is not the same as obey in verse 6. The, verse, the word here in verse 8 means only to get or accept or receive something. And so the obey of verse 6 here in verse 8 is to hear, receive, know, and believe. Now the fact that Jesus puts this step here of merely receiving the word indicates that it's possible for the word to have been given but completely pass over the head of the person that's supposed to be receiving it. We might describe it as going in one ear and out the other. It just doesn't stick. And uh, it, much more is required. It's required that that word be received by the recipient and that it affect their mind and their thinking and their heart and change the, their path thereafter. Now, up until this point, the sequence of giving and receiving has been obvious. I mean, the word must be given if it's going to be received. And it's got to be received if it's going to be useful. So all of that's very logical. But now here, the third point, Jesus goes on to talk about a certain knowledge that's required before believing. And this might kind of uh, contradict some of our thinking because we've been conditioned to think in terms of uh, believing is seeing instead of seeing is believing. For instance, uh, Jesus, in talking to Martha before he raised Lazarus from the dead said, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see? 
the glory of God. So even Jesus taught that believing results in seeing. The world says, show me and I'll believe it. Seeing is believing. Uh, The Bible says believing is seeing, but here Jesus places seeing or knowing before believing. Now, why is that? Well, the reason is that there's a certain kind of knowledge that must precede believing or faith, because otherwise it would be something more, no more than blind faith, which is no faith at all. And so there's a number of uh, convictions concerning Jesus that have to precede faith in him. And, they, and they, have to, they have to answer the central questions concerning the person and the teaching of Jesus Christ. Jesus indicates this by saying, They know with certainty that I came from you, and they know that everything you have given me comes from you. So before we can commit our lives to Jesus, we must be convinced that he is divine, that he is God incarnate, and that his teaching is true. My goodness, we've gotten so caught up in this study, we've almost run out of time. You're listening to Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Leighton Sheely, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. He's in the book of John. We're on the web at studyversebyverse.com, and we'll be back tomorrow at this same time to wrap up this message and the week. I hope you can join us when Pastor Leighton will once again open the Word of God, and we will study verse by verse. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.